Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. Man, I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, welcome to Embassy City. For those that are watching online or Vitamin E family, wherever you are, I'm sure there's somebody that's like, nah, it's too cold outside. I'm going to sit at home, drink my apple cider, and watch online. We welcome you. Thanks for joining us. Anybody believe that God is up to something good? Oh, yeah. So I woke up this morning, and I had this this feeling, this thought uh, that I wanted to share with you because I feel like it's just nothing to do with my message, but I just want to remind somebody that if he did it before, he will do it again. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. If he did it before, he will do it again. No matter where you are in life right now, you may be dealing with some some issues or some problems in your life. But can I tell you that the God that has performed miracles in your life before, the mercies that are unseen, he can still perform those in your life. And so we give God praise and glory because he's a God of consistency. So one more time, can you give him praise for what he's going to do in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let me, let me put a plug in real quick before we get started. On December the 11th, we are going to take some time out at 6 p.m., and we are going to celebrate and honor Tim and Juliet Ross for their many years of ministry. Come on, put your hands together for them. We're so thankful for um, just who they are, and only really eternity is going to be able to tell all the stories, all the tales, all the lives that have been changed by you all's ministry. And so we get an opportunity just to take a little bit of time out on December the 11th and celebrate them and honor them. So if you haven't signed up yet, make sure you go online and you sign up and yet you get nice and fancy, bring your little dancing shoes. I don't know if there's going to be dancing, but you know, some of us are going to be dancing. That's for sure. But make sure you sign up so you can be there, okay? All right, y'all ready to get in this word? All right, let's go to James chapter 2, the book of James chapter 2. We're going to read a few verses of scripture, starting at verse number 14. Here James is writing, and he says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. I love James because he's about to get sarcastic. (laughs) Even the demons believe in shudder. (laughs) Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, And faith was completed by his works. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Somebody say amen. amen. So you know that last week we, we kicked off a series called Get Ready and we focused in on faith. And remember, faith is simply believing that God tells the truth. Faith is simply trusting that whatever God said he will do, he will do. But in the realm of faith, we talked about embracing ambiguity. And embracing ambiguity means that you may not know. But ambiguity does not mean that you should not do. So today, we're going to continue our discussion on getting ready, but the title for today is Work It. Hey. Hey. Is it worth it? Hey. You better work it. Hey. I grab my faith, I drop it, and reverse it. Let's pray before I get in trouble. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and mercy. I pray, God, that you would have your way in this place today. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to understand what the Spirit would say to us. Help us to walk out of here different than the way we came in. We give your name all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. Work it. You got to work your faith. Faith by itself is dead unless you put some works behind it. And that's what we're going to talk about. So uh, I want to give you a little bit of context. So I, I earned my undergraduate degree in marketing from the University of Texas at Arlington. Woo, woo. Go Mavs. We win no sports. That's why I was like, who's the Mavericks? <laughs> but in the area of marketing, uh, we studied what is called buyer behavior. And buyer behavior is simply evaluating the psychology behind potential buyers and how they interact with products or marketing. And in the realm of that study, there was a theory developed in 1987 by a guy named Higgins called the self-discrepancy theory. And what the self-discrepancy theory did is it evaluated um, potential buyers or consumers, you and I, and it narrowed down that there are three aspects of our self. These are called self-concepts. And the three are your ideal self, your ought self, that's O-U-G-H-T, and your actual self. Now let's break these down a little bit. Your ideal self is the version of you that you project to others. It's the, it's the version of you that you want to be like. And you want people to perceive you as that. I call it the social media you. It's the highlight reels. It's the one with all the filters and the Photoshop and the edits. Have you ever seen somebody on social and then met them in real life and you were like, 
They, this don't seem like the same person. <laughs> the ideal self is the version of you that you present to a potential date. Anybody met that type of person? They're like, hey, yeah, I'm a real estate uh, entrepreneur. <laughs> I always get nervous when I ask somebody what they do, and they're like, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm like, really? Then I find out they live in the basement of their parents' house. <laughs> but the ideal self is who we want to be like. And we want others to perceive us this way. Right, wrong, or different, doesn't really matter. It's the, it's the version of us that we project, and it's also the version that marketers target, right? They never give you commercials in real life. It's always the commercials where you look at the screen, and you're like, wow, I want to go there. I want to be that person. They try to convince you that if you buy that Mercedes S550, Y'all know I've been looking at some commercials. <laughs> they have you convinced that if you buy this car, you will instantly lose weight, <laughs> grow abs, your hair will come back. <laughs> when you drive this car, the life partner you've been praying for will plop down in the passenger seat, and they will look better than you. They have you convinced that if you, if you if your ideal self is this person, and it's not real. So the second self is the ought self, O-U-G-H-T. This is the person that we know we should be or we ought to be. Not the ideal self that we project to others, but the self that we know we ought to be. Like, I, I, ideally, I'd like to buy this car, but I ought to be saving my money. <laughs> ideally, I'd like to date this person, but I ought to pass on them because they ain't got a good record. <laughs> Ideally, I'd like to do this, but I ought to be doing that. Ideally, I'd like to go buy this outfit, but I ought to be saving my money. And when there is a gap between your ideal self and your ought self, it creates agitation-related emotions. Fear, anxiety. When you want to do something, but you know you ought not to, and those things are not in line, it creates an agitation type of emotion within you because what you'd like to be and what you should be are not the same things. Then the third version is the actual self. And this is who you are when all the lights are off. This is who you actually are. Not ideally, not who you ought to be, but this is who you are. This is the version of you that after the, the low lights of the club are off and the street lights hit you. <laughs> and the fluorescents come on. <laughs> That's you. It's that version of you. When you wipe off all the makeup and the edits are gone and the Photoshop's not there, that's the actual self. Now, here's the problem. We all deal with these three concepts of ourself. But where there is a gap between your ideal self and your actual self, it creates anxiety, which creates uh, more anxiety, which ends up being depression. This is why... You may hear of people who ideally seem like they have everything. They have the large, the large house, they got the cool cars, they got the friends, they got the fame, they got the jet. Y'all remember when Bow Wow took that picture with the jet? Yeah, super embarrassing, right? That's his ideal self. He wanted us to believe that about him, but Bow Wow, your days are over of fame. <laughs> Hate to say that, hey, but I'm praying for you, brother. <laughs> 
But when there's a gap between who you ideally want to be and who you actually are, there's anxiety within us. And that's why when there are a lot of people that seemingly have everything, but they're still dealing with depression. They're still overdosing on drugs. They still are being found in their homes committing suicide. Why? Because there's a gap. And the problem is our social media culture has tried to convince us that we should project who we want to be while not work on who we actually are. People will spend more time editing photos than actually going to school. They will spend more time trying to project who they like to be than actually work on themselves. They will, they will spend more time trying to convince you that they're a serial entrepreneur and that they're an entertainment mogul and that they're, a, they're, they're an influencer rather than actually go and save your money. Right? But, but social media didn't create this problem. It just amplified it. This problem has always been in existence. There's always been a self-discrepancy theory. It's not even a theory. There's always been self-discrepancy. There's always been an identity crisis that existed in mankind ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God. You can look and find this throughout scripture. You can find that with Jacob and Joseph and, and Samson and all these other guys. But what I love is that Jesus actually talks about it in Matthew chapter 7. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse number 17. He says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. What Jesus was doing here in this passage is he was actually addressing false prophets. And a couple of verses earlier, Jesus says to the crowd, he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. In order to be a false prophet, you must first have proclaimed and projected yourself to be a true prophet. And we got a lot of those right now. Proclaiming to prophesy, but really they prophesying. <laughs> Right? So these jokers were going around saying, hey, I'm a prophet. I'm called by God. I'm doing this. And Jesus says, hey, listen, anytime someone tells you who they are, just watch and wait. Because eventually, who they say they are should match what they produce. And if they don't produce that, then you know, take off your jacket. Revealed, you're a false prophet. And he uses the example of a tree. And he says, a tree can sit there and claim to be a fruit tree all day long. But if there's no fruit hanging off the tree, it's not a fruit tree. It can be an oak tree. It can be a pine tree. But it's not a fruit tree. And, and, and many of us will proclaim to be fruit trees. I'm an apple tree. I'm an orange tree. Or the orange bush. I'm a living tree. I'm, I'm this and that. And here's the thing. Eventually, your fruits will reveal who you are. Because in order to be a fake, you have to what? Not match what you say and what you produce. Y'all remember a few weeks ago, I preached this message on counterfeit Christianity. Y'all saw my Gucci shirt. Right? G-U-C-C-I is the real one. But mine was G-U-C-H-I. <laughs> and, 
And what Jesus was saying is, there's a lot of people saying they Gucci, but they got a C-H in it. Right. And Jesus says, hey, if you're going to be productive in the kingdom of God, and if you're going to proclaim yourself to be a fruit tree, then, then just watch and wait because eventually, if fruit don't come, they ain't a fruit tree. And you know, you've heard these scriptures, or you hear people say all the time, like, God's the judge. That is true. He is the judge, ultimately, of your soul. But you can still judge people's fruit. If they don't produce fruit, they're not a fruit tree. If they, here's how you know something's fake. If what they proclaim doesn't match what they produce. If what they proclaim doesn't match what they produce, it's a fake. So Jesus talks about this, and this is what James elaborates on in James chapter 2. Because James is dealing with a group of people who have taken out of context the message that we are saved by grace through faith apart from our works. And there were a lot of people developing in the early church who were not exercising their faith in works because they were saying, hey, listen, I don't have to do anything. I just have to proclaim to have faith. I don't actually have to show it because God's the judge of me internally and God knows I have faith. And James says, well, here's the problem. The kind of faith that God gives you is a faith that produces works. The kind of faith that God calls us to includes us participating in it. The faith of God that God imputes unto us when we believe his promise produces us to action. This is why the word works actually means the word action or deed. So what James is saying, that if you, by faith, which faith is trusting in God, if you trust that God is telling the truth, then you will produce works, which means action. If you say that you believe that God is going to come through for you, then you need to move toward the direction that God's going to bring you through. If you believe that God is going to open a door for you, then you got to move and put your hand on the handle that God wants to open for you. Because faith without works is dead. Why? Because a fruit tree without fruits is not a fruit tree. So James says, listen, I want you to have faith. I want you to believe and trust that God is telling the truth. But the only way that we know that you truly believe it is that it motivates you to do things according to the faith that you have. And here's, here's, here's what we know. God did this all the time. Throughout the Bible, he did it. We see this with Noah, right? When we talked about this last week. Hey, Noah, I'm going to send the rain, and I'm going to save you, and I'm going to reestablish the population through you. Noah says, okay, I believe it. Then God says, dope. Now go build a, a boat. Oh, well, God, that's works, though. That's, that's me doing it. God's like, no, you're not doing that unless you had a word. Correct. If you don't have a word, that is works just by yourself. But if you got a word, then you're just exercising what I told you to do. Because your works, your actions and deeds prepares the stage, right, for God to do what he needs to do. And here's the thing. If we don't put faith into action, that's why some of us are waiting around for a, for a cloud and for a raindrop and for God to move. And God's like, uh, are you building the ark? Because you said you believe that rain is coming. Well, you don't have an umbrella. I need you to go build that real quick. (laughs) 
<laughs> he did the same thing to Abraham, right? He said, Abraham, I want to I bless you. I want to multiply you. I want, I want all the ends of the earth to be blessed by you. And everywhere that you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. Well, here's the thing, Abraham. In order for you to receive what I have for you, I need you to step into the thing that I have for you. Well, I don't know where I'm going. That's not what I asked you. I just asked you to leave the earth of Chaldeans. And because here's the thing. He can't possess land that his feet step on if he ain't moving. So James says, all right, I feel like y'all don't believe what I'm saying. So let me get practical with you. Let's say you pass a person that is cold outside and you walk by them and you say, I believe that you're going to be warm in Jesus name. He said, that's dumb. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, listen, you ignorant, man. Like, that's why he even called them foolish, which foolish means void of what? Knowledge. He says, listen, if you can walk by someone and say, hey, be filled with food right now in the name of Jesus, but you got bread and you don't give it to them, you foolish. Then he attaches that to our faith. And he says, am I trying to call you fools? I'm just, I'm just... I'm just in the scripture. James says, if you proclaim that you trust God, but you don't do anything about it, you are void of knowledge. Because true faith always is followed by true action. Then he says, I'm going to give you one more example. I'm going to talk to you about Abraham. Now, we love to talk about Abraham in the sense that God has given him promises and God's given him all these things, right? And that he walked it out. And then Uh, most people stop at Abraham receiving the promise. So he received the promise at 75, and then it is actualized. Isaac is born when he's 100. But then as Isaac gets older, uh, God says to him, hey, I want your son, your only son. I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham's like, that don't make any sense, because why would you give me something and then want it back. Let me just stop and say this. The true test of if you are living with your hand wide open is when God takes back what he gave you. Can God take back what he put in your hand? Because if he can't, then you've closed your hand. It means you have now made yourself the sole proprietor of the promises of God, and God don't work that way. So, so, so he begins to talk about Abraham. He says, Abraham, uh, God speaks to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I want your son. And Abraham has so much faith in God that he's like, I'm going to sacrifice this joker. And God will raise him from the dead, which is powerful faith, right? That's the kind of faith that you're like, whoa, that's, that, that's the type of faith that will move mountains. But the true test of whether he believed it was that he had to get wood together. Right. He had to go to the mountain, and when he got to the base of the mountain, he told the servants, hey, listen, I'm going to leave you here. Me and the boy will go to worship God, and this is what he says, we will come back. Man, that's that's faith right there. He didn't even say, hey, I'm going to go kill Isaac, and then let's see what happens. He said, hey, listen, I know that before I get back down, God is going to do a miracle because God is God all by himself, and if he said he's going to do something, he will do it. So he goes up to the top of the mountain, and he builds an altar, and the whole while, Isaac is like, I see the wood. 
and I see the fire. But where is the sacrifice? The scripture literally says it. He says it. And Abraham is like, boy, be quiet. Just help me build this altar. <laughs> and I know the feeling. Have you ever, have you ever been with your parents and, and you're asking them questions and they're like, stop asking questions. Just do what I'm asking you to do. I, I've done this with my three-year-old. I'm just, hey, man, we'll get to that in a second. I just need you to do this. This is what Abraham's telling Isaac, right? So Isaac is doing this. And then, and then Abraham's like, all right, hey, uh, put your hands behind your back. Now, at this point, Abraham is well over 100 years old. Isaac has the power to either run away or <laughs> MMA his dad, <laughs> hogtie him and sacrifice him, you know what I'm saying? But, but he puts his hand in, and, and Abraham ties him up and places him on the altar. Right? He's got the fire. He's ready. He grabs his knife. Joker's about to stab his son. And the angel says, Abraham. And he's still going, Abraham! Literally, the angel has to call to him twice to stop it. Because he was so convinced of his faith that he was about to go all the way through it, his works. And because he was willing to do it, the angel stopped him and provided a ram in the thicket. And, and James, he is alluding to this story because he says, some of us are at the base of the mountain. We won't even go up because we're like, all right, God, you going to come through now? You said you're going to do it. Are you going to come through now? We won't even pick up the sticks, right? Because, because we want God to come through now. And, 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 and most of us use the scripture in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord <laughs> shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and soar. And we use that scripture, and we're like, when, when, we're, when, when people come to us and like, hey, didn't you say that God's going to do something special? You're like, yeah, I'm just waiting, though. You know, Isaiah 40, tattoo it on my chest, fam. He got scriptures, scrolls, Isaiah 40, 31. But here's the problem. What Isaiah was saying in that passage was that word to wait, actually in the original, means stretch. So the, the picture that Isaiah was drawing for us is that when an eagle is perched up high in the sky and it's looking out and it can feel, it can feel the wind moving, the eagle trusts that the wind will take him to heights that he can't get to by himself. But in order to get to heights that he can't get to by himself, he's got to jump off of the ledge, stretch its wings. <laughs> Wait its wings and trust by faith that the wind is going to take them so it can soar up to heights that it's never been before. If you want to experience what God has for your life in a sphere that you've never been to before, you've got to exercise your faith by stretching out your wings by works. You can't walk on water, Peter, until you get out of the boat. This is why Jesus consistently would tell people that he was about to give miracles to do something that they felt uncomfortable with. He said, you want to see? Go wash your eyes. You want to walk? Take up your bed and walk. You want to walk on water? You better get out of the boat. You want to be alive? Then you better get out of that grave. Our participation in our faith is necessary because God designed it that way. <laughs> Can I get practical with you? You, you? you believe by faith that God is going to bless your business? Write a business plan. 
You believe that God is going to provide for you that special someone, get your life right. You believe that God is going to bless your finances, put together a budget. You believe that God's going to bless you with a great job, go apply for it. You believe that God's going to give you wisdom and education and knowledge, read a book. Work it. Work it. <laughs> Is it worth it? You better work it. <laughs> hey, let me, hey, hey, let me tell you something. Too many Christians say they believe God's going to come through and sit on their hands. I've come to preach some faith into you and some works into you to tell you that if you believe that what God has for you is for you, get up and move in that direction. The results are up to God. The results are up to God. I can't make the rain come down, but God didn't tell me to make the rain come down. He just told me to build the ark. So I can't stop and not build the ark because I can't produce the rain. I just got to work my faith by what God told me to do. Am I preaching to anybody today? All right, one more scripture. Jesus begins to talk to his disciples, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Then he doesn't say, hey, I need y'all to pray for a harvest. He said, I got the harvest, fam. <laughs> I, I got what you need. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into whose harvest? His harvest. God is the one that produces the harvest. He is the one that produces what he said he's going to do in your life. But you have to partner with him in faith by going into the field to work. Blessed is he that when he comes back, he finds them working. For some of us, what stands between the promise of God, hearing the promise of God and the fulfillment of it, is we haven't acted on our faith. Because remember, faith is trusting that God tells the truth. But faith without action makes your proclamation void. Because it's like, have you ever seen those jokers that they've been dating for like 20 years? And they keep telling him, I love you. Listen, sis, this is for somebody. Listen, sis, I'm about to help you right now. This is worth the price of admission. If the joker keeps telling you he loves you, and he's got everything together, but he hasn't proposed, cut it off. He ain't a fruit tree. He ain't got no fruits. Find you a fruit tree. You didn't like oranges anyway, so get you an apple. <laughs> but I want to... The reason why I'm preaching this is because true faith motivates us to action. And, and, you know, we only have a few weeks left between now and the beginning of the year. 
and, and many of us are making plans for what, you know, what we're going to experience in the beginning of the year. And, and I truly believe, I, what I preached a couple weeks ago, that God is going to give us a great harvest. I truly believe that God is going to do great things within our church. And, and the way God does great things within the church is he does great things within individuals. Because here's the thing, the, the, way, the reason why 5,000 people were fed is because 12 disciples decided to pass out bread. <laughs> well, I could stop there and preach. But here's what God did for the disciples. Because they were willing to act on the faith, God provided them a full basket of blessing. Because after they fed the 5,000, how many baskets were left? 12 baskets full. When you act on your faith, when you put works to your faith, God will put more on you than you can even imagine is possible. You thought that God was going to come through, but he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or think according to the power that works in you. Oh, Lord, see, I didn't even know that was in there, right? The power has to be moving in you and working in you in order for God to exceed everything that you thought was possible. So I don't know what you come in here with, what kind of promises are on your life, what kind of, what kind of things the Lord has told you. Remember, the way to differentiate between uh, whether God is speaking or you're speaking is, do you need God to fulfill it? If you need God to fulfill it, probably him speaking. And whatever God speaks to your life, it always includes others. It's never just for you. When God gives us promises, he's not like, hey, I'm going to bless you with a million dollars so you can buy a jet by yourself. <laughs> if God blesses you with a jet, take somebody else for a joyride. Come pick me up. <laughs> God always, when he begins to do stuff in your life, it always includes blessing others. But in order for us to step into the things that God has for us, we have to move toward his word. When Peter saw Jesus walking, everybody was scared and afraid. Ah, it's a ghost. <laughs> and, and Peter was crazy enough to be like, yo, if that's you, Jesus, bid me come to walk on the water. And Jesus says, don't come. Now, Peter had one of two decisions. One is, I believe that you're the Christ and that your word is true. I have faith that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. All right, come pick me up, Jesus. Because they that wait upon the Lord. <laughs> Jesus didn't go to him. He said, I'm going to let you experience it. But if you truly believe that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do, I need you to leave the comfort of where you are and mix your faith with some actions. And Peter, with trepidation, live in anxiety. I'm not sure this is going to work out with risk. <laughs> Looking at the other disciples, he was crazy enough to be like, all right, let me try it. This is good, right? And, and he gets out of the boat, and he walks on water. There's not another recorded instance in the Bible 
of anybody walking on water. If you want to experience things that are literally beyond belief, you got to leave these jokers behind in the boat and walk, step out, put action to it, put deeds to it, put works, mix your faith with works. And it looks different for everybody, right? But exercising faith does not mean just sitting around and like just waiting on the Lord to do something miraculous. No, you've got to be actively preparing yourself. If you want to preach the gospel, if you feel like God's called you to ministry, study the Bible. <laughs> Again, if, if you want to get married, make sure that you're marryable. <laughs> That's a new word. I like it. Are you marryable material? You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm going to change all this when I get married. No, fam, that's not how it works. Because you're going to end up marrying somebody that thinks the same thing. I'm going to change all this when I get married. Your faith is revealed by your actions. That's why James said, you got faith? Don't. Prove it. And, and we, we sometimes hate to attach that to Jesus, right? We, we hate to think that God wants us to prove things, but he does. And you can look at scripture. It's, it's all the way in there. God is always like, you trust me? Prove it. Now, don't, don't worry. I'm going to make the, the water solid. I'm going to provide the rain. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a child. Like, all throughout scripture, God says, I'm going to do my part, but I need you to do your part. You say you believe in me? Don't. Prove it. So whatever it is in your life right now that God's promised you, that God said he's going to do in your life, and you're like, yes, I believe that. Here comes the part where, you gotta, where your faith is about to be tested. Can you act on it? Can you move toward it? Before this day is over, can you start moving toward what God said belongs to you? Can you close your eyes and bow your heads? Man, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I believe I'm preaching to somebody. In fact, I'm preaching to myself. Because I believe there are things that God has called you and I to do and to accomplish, and he's going to do what he does. But in the midst of that, he's calling us to participate. So if you feel like you're in a season where you, you believe God, but you've been a little hesitant to move toward it, just stretch your hand up. It's okay. Because I want to know who I'm praying with and praying for. If you're in, online, just put it in the chat. Just put your hand in the chat there. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, um, number one, your promises to us. Because your promises are yea and amen, which means that you proclaim them and you perform them. But in the midst of that, you've called us to faith and works. You've called us to believe in you, to believe and to trust that you are able to do it, but then also to participate in you doing it. So right now, I pray, God, that we would mix our works with our faith to move toward the promise that you have for us. So we get ready, Lord God, and we prepare ourselves and we step into the unknown and we step into ambiguity uh, and we step into areas that we don't really understand because we know that in the midst of those places you're still there and you're still going to 
move and work and do. So right now, we give your name all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.